Hello everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I have missed you guys so much and I just want to really take this time and apologize to you guys for my disappearance and my lack of presence here on the podcast and also on social media. I've been posting a little bit on social media, but I haven't really talked about um, why I haven't posted. So just a little quick life update. I moved and I've been traveling a lot. I told you guys before I I went to Pennsylvania and then I went somewhere else in in our state um, to go see the twins and for their birthday. And it was just really hectic moving life adjustments and whatnot. So I am sorry that I haven't been posting on here. It's been like a little over two weeks now, so I really apologize for that. But I'm back, and I want to give a little quick update. So for the year of no fear, just with the current situation right now, I don't think I'm going to be able to record and put them out Tuesdays and Thursdays anymore. And I don't want to keep committing to things and then going back and changing them because I think it's very important to, if you say something, to stick to your word. So I don't want to put anything out there for sure. But I'm definitely going to be continuing the year of no fear for the remainder of the year. But I don't know what format that's going to be in. So just keep an eye out. Follow the Instagram page. It is very important to have literally no fear in your life. And it's not something that I'm like focusing on today. But fear is a very important aspect when it comes to your faith because it can negatively affect your faith it's literally the opposite like I mean it's just it's literally anti-faith like fear is anti-faith it's the opposite complete total polar opposite of faith faith believes things that it doesn't uh, see and fear believes things that it does see or that also that it doesn't see because the enemy he'll come and plant thoughts of fear in your in your head in your ear and you have a choice whether or not you're going to believe those things. So when you when you believe something, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So when you it, it's one thing to let the thought come into your mind. It's one thing to hear the lie from the enemy. But it's another thing to let that lie go from your head and sink down into your heart, because it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth will speak. Luke six forty five. And it says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. The New King James Version says, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So whatever you have in your heart, your mouth is going to speak it. So fear is a form of faith, but it's faith in the wrong thing. It's faith in the the thing that you should not have faith in. One is God faith. The other one is demonic faith, you know, like plain and simple. um, The enemy, he is the one who induces fear. The Bible says in first Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. So God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us power. He's given us love and he's given us soundness of mind. Or other translations say self-control. You can control the thoughts that are in your head. You don't have to believe the fear and the lies that the enemy is bringing to your mind. So I highly recommend you, if you haven't listened or haven't been listening seriously, go start over the year of no fear and binge it. And I'm not saying like it's revelational, the things that I'm saying. It's not me 
being like, oh, I have something like nobody else has to offer. No, there are plenty of other ministries, plenty of other ministers who can um, do the same, if not better, definitely better and more articulate than what I can say. But when you feed yourself faith, when you fe- when you feed yourself the opposite of what it is that you're believing. So if you're believing a bunch of fear thoughts, go and listen to the year of no fear because then it's going to produce faith and in the same way on the opposite hand because it works both ways on the opposite hand if you are a faith-filled person but you get out of the word of God and you start looking at things in the natural and you start looking at things in the world and hearing other opinions and people who don't preach faith or people who aren't Christians at all you're going to be a very scared person it doesn't matter how much faith you had last week when you allow fear to come when you allow that door of fear to open up it's detrimental to your faith it will literally ruin it so it's very important so go back and listen to the year of no fear episodes that I already have posted I think I stopped around like 55 or 56 so go listen to those I also have the bible verses on my instagram highlight some days I did forget to highlight the verses but if you go and listen to the podcast episodes you'll get the bible verse you'll get the story in most cases and then you'll also get um an encouraging word that's attached to that based on what the bible says and based on a victorious standpoint of who we are in jesus christ of course if you are in jesus christ and if you have not given your life to him i will be giving you the opportunity to do that at the end of this episode so stick around Wednesday word for today is redeemed and I the reason I'm doing this today is because I pay attention to things I'm not really like a I mean we should pay attention to signs but I don't like count everything as a sign like if there's a bird flying in the air and I've seen like five birds or seven birds fly in the air I'm like oh my goodness you know I don't I don't I don't do that kind of stuff but the word redeemed has come up three times in the past week I guess the first one was Easter Sunday oh my goodness I was gonna post an Easter Sunday message for you guys so I'm really sorry for that I really wanted to post an Easter um I wanted to post a good Friday an Easter and yeah a good Friday and an Easter message but I didn't so I'm very sorry about that but anyway so the first one was Pastor Jonathan's uh Easter service I think it was actually the Good Friday service where he focused on redeemed so it's been a little bit over a week and then another one from two other places and I can't remember where but I know one was another sermon that I listened to and then another one was like a prophetic word that I that I was that I was listening to so that word redeemed has come up three times and if anything comes up three times I'm just going to talk about it because it's not coincidental. I think it's something that God wants me to to hear, that he wants you to hear. So today I'm talking about the word redeemed. So if you go to the Greek, which I'm not telling you to, but in the Greek, and I looked it up in the Strong's, not Greek. Oh, yes, in the Greek. I looked it up in the Strong's Concordance. And the Bible verse that I'm going to be reading to you guys is Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. 
So if you do have your Bible or if you have your phone, if you're reading your Bible on your phone, I want you guys to read along with me. This is only one verse that I'm focusing on, but I'm going to be reading a lot in the book of Deuteronomy today. So if you have your Bible, just go ahead and pull that out with me. But I'm going to Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 and that's where I pulled the definition or the translation of the word out from. So it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So that verse is saying that Jesus Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law because he himself became a curse for us. So what does that word redeemed mean? The reason I I go into like definitions is because I want you to understand like what it is in the original language, what this word means, because when I hear the word redeemed, I have a right and probably most likely you do too, um, a right understanding of the word redeemed. But it's always really good to dig deeper to really try to understand because, yes, it's like redeemed, like I've been redeemed, like praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But when you look it up in the Greek. It says to buy up, to ransom, or to rescue from loss. So that's what Jesus did for us. He bought us. He bought us back from the enemy. He bought us back from the curse of the law. So, I mean, that's what Galatians 3.13 says. It says he has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He bought us back from the curse of the law. He ransomed me. Think about somebody who pays a ransom. Like if somebody gets kidnapped. And you have to pay a ransom. That's what Jesus did for us. But not only he didn't do that with money. He did it with his blood. He did it with his life, his own life. He became that curse for us to redeem us, to ransom us, to rescue us from death, to rescue us from loss of life, to rescue us from loss that we would suffer under the curse of the law. So like I said before, I'm going to be reading in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And I'm going to start off with the second half of the verse because I really want you to understand because even as I'm saying it, it's like, okay, yeah, Jesus bought us back from the curse of the law. Cool. But if you're a Christian, I mean, you have no worry, no concern about this unless you like actually it's very important for Christian and non-Christian alike because if you are ignorant And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, you just literally have a lack of knowledge. The Bible says in Hosea chapter four, verse six, my people are perishing. God is saying that my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. So if there is a lack of knowledge of what Jesus Christ has redeemed you from, has ransomed you from, you are going to live your life as though you are under a curse when you have been redeemed from that curse. And likewise, if you're a non-believer, you're going to live your life under a curse, but you're not even going to have Jesus as your, you know, Lord and Savior. So the difference is, is that the Christian, they're going to go to heaven. They're going to live a hard life here on earth. You're going to go to heaven at the end of your life. And that's great. But here on earth for a non-believer, you're going to live a hard life here on earth, and then you're going to be perishing in hell for all eternity. So it's very important for Christian and non-Christian to understand what it, what redemption is and what the curse of the law is. And I'm going to start in verse 15. And if you have your Bible, I want you to open it with me to Deuteronomy. It's in the Old Testament, chapter 28 and verse four, or verse 15. And Before I read that, I just want to give you the, I just want to let you know that I'm not reading to you from the Old Testament 
to as though this is the covenant that we're under. We are under a new covenant. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, we are under a new covenant. So these things, so they were under a different covenant. They had to do sacrifices in order to get their righteousness. But Jesus is the one sacrifice that we needed to cover everybody one time. He was the spotless lamb. He was slain before this, uh, for, before the foundation of the earth. So he covers all sin. We no longer have to sacrifice animals. We no longer have to earn or try to earn and do works to get our righteousness. Our righteousness is through Jesus Christ himself. So that's the difference between this covenant, not the only difference, but the main difference between this covenant and the covenant that we're in today. If you're not a Christian, you these curses of the law will still happen if you allow them. And I'm going to talk about that more as I read on. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, let's start in verse 15. It says, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Curse shall you be in the city. Curse shall you be in the country. Curse shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. And basically the kneading bowl is the thing that makes bread. It's what you use to knead the dough, to make dough, to break, to, to bake bread. So he's saying that your kneading bowl is going to be cursed. Like you won't even be able to, to make dough for your bread. And it says, curse shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land and the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. So we no longer, you know, some people do if you own a farm, but we don't talk like this for the most part today. So the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the fruit of your body is like your womb. It's what you produce from your womb, children. And he's saying, curse shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land. The land that you have and the land that you own, it won't produce anything. And the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. So whatever it is that you own, that there's going to be a curse that falls upon it. And not only if you own a farm, but if you own a business or if you work somewhere, like God says that he will bless the work of your hands. And I'm going to read that later. But everything that you do is going to be cursed. It says in verse 19, it says, curse shall you be when you come in and curse shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke in all that you and rebuke in all that you set your hand to do, until you are destroyed, until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the plague cling to you until He has consumed you from the land which you are going to possess. So I want to just take a break here because I'm going to read um, about ten more verses, but I just want to take a break here and say that in the Bible. When you're reading in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is Hebrew and the New Testament is Greek. But the Old Testament in the Hebrew language, there is no causative tense. And what that means is that God never said, I will cause this to come on you. I will make this come on you. I will put this on you. So a lot of times in the Old Testament, you'll see that um, in in English, because that's the language that I read, you may read another language. Um, but in English, when I read it, they put a causative tense in there. And again, causative means that God caused something he's using that, that they put in the tense that God caused this thing to happen. 
but actually in the original Hebrew language, it is permissive. It's a permissive tense. So he will permit that thing to come upon you. He will permit it. It's permitted. And this isn't a word that I like to use a lot, but allow. So God will allow. And I don't, because that word can have a lot of confusion surrounding it because people will mistake God allowed this to happen to like God wanted it to happen or God caused it to happen when really like he's just up there like he he's not the God of this world. So the God of this world is Satan. He has control here and he put Jesus, Jesus died on the cross went down to hell, took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Jesus gave us the keys to the kingdom. He gave us authority over all the power of the enemy. And we now have authority to bind and loose things here on earth. So if God allows it, we have to allow it. So there's a permissive tense to the word in the original language. So God permitted it. He will permit that thing to come upon you. But honestly, like, It had nothing to do with him. It had nothing to do with him at all. Because it's like in the same way that God can't force you to be healed, God can't force you to be sick. So I've talked about healing. I've talked about faith. I've talked about um, breakthrough and stuff like that and sickness and whatever it is. But God, when you come to God, you have to come to God in faith. The Bible says that it's the only thing that pleases him. It is impossible to please God without faith. You have to have faith in order to to please God. It also says, it says that you must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If anybody wants to come to God, you have to believe, you have to have faith. You have to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So everything that you have to do, it has to be done in faith. Even confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior, believing that you have eternal life because of his finished work on the cross. When you have faith for salvation, when you believe for salvation, that even is the the first step into this entire um, kingdom into being brought back from death to life to having your spirit be born because your spirit is dead your soul and your flesh they're alive and they're leading you your entire life until you give your life to Jesus and that's when your spirit man is breathed to life so in the same way because God never forces anybody to be healed he can't force you to be sick either John chapter 14 verse 9 says, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? These words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the father and the father is in me or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So Jesus is saying that the that I am in the father and the father is in me, that we are one person, that we are literally one. John 1 1 says in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is the word, but Jesus is God. And the express image in Hebrews chapter uh, 1 verse 3 and I talked about that a few weeks ago Um, I've been going through the book of Hebrews before I took this break but it says I'll just read the first three verses it says God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past 
to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, his son being Jesus, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also made the worlds, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he himself had purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So Jesus is the express image of God. So if you want to see Jesus, if you want to see God, if you want to know God's character, you have to look at him through the lens of Jesus. That's what Jesus says, said in John 14. When Philip was asking him to see the father, he said, you're asking me to see the father. You've seen me. Don't you believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? You've already seen the father. You've already heard him because I'm him. I'm in him and he is in me. So when you when you look at God through the lens of Jesus, you have to realize never once in Jesus ministry, never one time did he lay his hands on a healthy person and make them sick. So God never caused, he never caused, he never causes, and he never will cause somebody to be sick. There is no causative tense in this word, even though people have translated it from the, from the original language to English or whatever language you're reading your Bible in, even though people have translated it to that, that was not in the original language, the original text when God spoke that thing. So if you look at God through the lens of Jesus, which you should, because that's what the Bible says, you have to realize, okay, Jesus never laid his hands on a sick person or on a, on a healthy person and make them sick. He never put sickness on anybody. He lifted sickness off of sick people and made them healthy. But those people had to come to him in faith. So in the same way that God or that Jesus didn't force somebody to be sick he didn't force someone to be healthy either everybody who wanted to be healed that came to Jesus they came to them of they came to him of their own free will with the purpose with the pursuit after Jesus I am going to get my healing they never said well if Jesus passes by he'll heal me if he wants to those people if they said that back in that day, they didn't get healed because that's not how God works. You have to come to him in faith. He won't force you to be healed. He won't override your will. If you want something, act like you want it pretty much is what I'm saying. So in the same way that he can't force you to be sick or force you to be healthy, he can't force you to be blessed and he can't force you to be cursed. It's a choice and it's a choice that you have to make. So that was a long tangent, but I just really want you guys to understand that everything that you have to do in this life when it comes to, to this, it has to be made by choice. Everything that God has ever done when it came to human beings was always done by choice. He always gave people the option. He never forced anybody to do anything from the, from the very beginning. He put the tree in the garden so that Adam and Eve had the choice to live a life blessed by him or to live a life cursed by sin they had the choice in the garden we have the choice today you can either give your life to Jesus Christ or you cannot you have a choice God <laughs> he doesn't override what you want to do he doesn't force you to do anything that you don't want to do you have the choice so continuing in Deuteronomy chapter 28 I think 
I was at verse 22 or 23. I'm going to read it the way that it's written here, but just keep that in the back of your head that God does not put sickness on anybody. He doesn't want sickness to come upon anybody, but you have a choice. So that's what honestly all of Deuteronomy chapter 28 and the majority of the book of Deuteronomy is really about like choices between life and death. So the first half of this chapter is blessings on obedience, blessing on being obedient to God. And the second longer half of this chapter is blessing or is curses on your disobedience. So you have a choice between being obedient and being disobedient. But also this is a different covenant. They had to follow rules. They had to make sacrifices in order to get their righteousness. We're righteous through Jesus and his finished work on the cross. And I'm not one of those people who is like, yeah, you can do whatever you want and live however you want as long as you are right with God. I'm not going to say that. I believe that there are some things that people should do and there are some things that you shouldn't do based on what the Bible says. So I still believe that you should be obedient to your father, but be obedient out of love and not out of fear of being cursed because like it says in Galatians chapter 3:13 we're redeemed from that curse. If you are a Christian, these curses you have been redeemed from it. Like it it literally says that in Galatians 3:13 Christ has redeemed you from all the curse of the law. So you don't have to live in fear that these things are going to come upon you, but it's important to know what Jesus has redeemed you from. So that way, you know, well, if one of these things does come upon me, I know that Jesus redeemed me from that and I don't have to deal with this. So what he was saying in the beginning, when I was reading this, curse shall you be in the city, curse shall you be in the country, everywhere you go, you're going to be cursed. Your basket and your kneading bowl are going to be cursed. You're not going to have food. You're not going to have the dough to make the bread not going to have bread in your basket. It's going to be cursed. Curse shall be the fruit of your body. You can't produce kids. The, the doctors told you you're never going to be able to have kids or the offspring of your flocks, the increase of your cattle, the produce of your land. If you have been working and laboring over something and it's not prospering, that's a curse. So if you are in Christ, Christ has redeemed you from that curse. So it's important to know what Jesus redeemed you from. So I'm going to continue on like I keep saying, but verse 22 says the Lord will strike you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation, with severe burning fever, with the sword, with scorching, with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. And your heavens, which are over your head, shall be bronze and the earth, which is under you, shall be iron. The Lord will change the rain of your land to powder and dust. From the heaven it shall come down until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee before them seven ways. And you shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. Your carcasses shall be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And no one shall frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with the, with the boils of Egypt, with tumors, with the scab, with the itch from which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart, and you shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall only be oppressed and plundered continually, and no one shall save you. 
You shall betroth the wife, but another man shall lie with her. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but shall not gather its grapes. Your ox will be slaughtered before your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Your donkey will be violently taken from before you and shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies and you shall have no one to rescue them. Your sons and daughters shall be given to another people and your eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all day long. There shall be no strength in your hand. A nation whom you have not known shall eat the fruit of your land and shall produce of your labor, and you shall be only oppressed and crushed continually. So you shall be driven mad because of the sight of which your eyes see. The Lord will strike you in the knees and on the legs with severe boils which cannot be healed, and from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. So that was a lot, and it might have been heavy for some people to hear but anything that you heard in there from your finances not prospering from you personally not prospering to your being struck stricken with tumors and illness like cancerous things boils like it says you're going to work continually and you're not going to produce a harvest and not only not produce a harvest but somebody else is going to come upon your land and take that harvest that you worked so hard for they're going to be able to produce on your land so again if you're in christian if you're in christ you have been redeemed from all of these things that's not where deuteronomy chapter 28 ends it goes on and on but i'm not going to read all of that but if you're a christian you have been redeemed from all of these curses of the law there's no reason why you should have sickness there's no reason why you should have disease there's no reason why you should have lack life should not be hard for you and deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 15 and the rest of the chapter this is laying out a very hard life following jesus is the easiest thing that you can ever do the easiest decision the easiest life to live because we have been redeemed from the curse of the law we've been bought back we have been ransomed we have been rescued from these curses so there's no reason why me as a christian why you as a christian have to live this life but if you're a non-believer if you have never given your life to jesus christ this is the life that you have coming for you and i don't say that to scare you i want you to be saved but i don't want you to i mean the bible does say that some people are going to be saved by fear but i don't want to scare you into accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So now on the flip side, I'm going to read Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 1 through 14 to show you what, okay, now Jesus has redeemed us from all of that. So what is the life that I am granted to live because of his sacrifice? What, so he has redeemed me, but what does that look like? So Deuteronomy 28 verse 1 it says, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out the lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face they shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways 
The Lord will command a blessing on you and your storehouse and all which you set your hand to, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. They shall be afraid of you, and the Lord will grant you plenty of goods, and the fruit of your body, and the increase of your livestock, and the produce of your ground, and the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open up to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them, so shall you, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Hallelujah. So that's the life that you can live. That's what you're entitled to. That's the blessing that you get when you live a godly life. That's the life that you live when you give your life to Jesus Christ and you're not ignorant of his word. Because remember I said in the beginning, Hosea 4, 6, my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. You can still be one of God's people. You can still be a Christian. You can still be surrendered to Jesus Christ and have him as your Lord and Savior. But if you are ignorant of his word if you are if you have a lack of knowledge when it comes to his word you will perish here on earth like i said before you're going to go to heaven but it's going to be hard here on earth it doesn't have to be hard it can be very easy it's laid out there like yeah jesus says in this world you will have trouble but what did he say right after he said that he said take heart because i have already overcome the world you don't have to set yourself up for a hard life Sometimes it's probably not going to feel easy all of the time, but Jesus has already overcome the world. You are victorious. You are an overcomer if you are in Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. I just want to drill this in your heads. I want to drive this close to home because you really, you really need to understand that these are choices that you make. Like if you are out in the rain and if you're standing under an umbrella, you're going to be dry. But if you step out from under that umbrella, you're going to be wet. You're going to get rain down on. So that's kind of what it's like because it's not God allowing you to get wet. You took yourself out of that umbrella. And in the same way, you made the choice to open up the umbrella and stand under it so you wouldn't get wet. God didn't make you put the umbrella up. He didn't make you step out from the umbrella. You were standing in the wrong place. You weren't standing under that umbrella. So because you chose to stand out in the rain, you got wet. So if you choose not to serve Jesus Christ, if you choose to stay ignorant to his word, you're going to live a life that isn't going to reflect what the word of God has to offer when it comes to people living and right standing with Jesus Christ. When it comes to what you have afforded to you because of his sacrifice on the cross. But if you stand under that umbrella and you make the choice to stand under that umbrella, you're not going to get wet. But God won't force you to stand under the umbrella or not to stand under the umbrella. It's your choice at the end of the day. So Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, it says, 
Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. So God gives you the choice between blessing and curses, life and death, but he wants you to choose life. It, it takes no pleasure in him seeing the, the very people that he created, Christian or not, to be living in hard times. He doesn't like to see it. He created us to prosper. He created us to live with him. There was no sickness and disease in the garden. When Adam and Eve, before the fall, there was no sickness or no lack or no poverty. They had plenty of food. They had responsibility. They had ground that would grow and produce. God told them to be fruitful and multiply. So he obviously created them to be fruitful and to multiply. It has to be a choice for you. You have to make the choice. Because like I said in the beginning, when you look at Jesus, when you look at his ministry, he never once forced anybody to be sick or to be healed. They always had a choice to come to him. Every time you see somebody getting healed or a miracle happening, they came to Jesus. Jesus, I know that you can do this. I know you can do this for me. The woman with the issue of blood, she said to herself, I know that if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Blind Bartimaeus, everybody was telling him to shut up. Everybody was telling him to stop yelling Jesus' name. But he continued until he got his healing, until he got his eyes restored. The Roman centurion went to Jesus and said, my servant is sick and I know that you can heal him from right here. You don't even have to come into my home. All you have to do is say the word. And Jesus marveled at his faith and he said, he's healed. You can go home. Jairus, uh, his daughter who died said, Jesus, I know if you come to my home and you pray for her that she will wake up or that she that you can that you can heal her because she wasn't dead at the time. He said, I know that if you come and lay your hands on her, that she will be healed. And Jesus went. But Jesus wasn't going to go to any of those people. Jesus was going to walk right past blind Bartimaeus if he had stayed quiet. If the woman with the issue of blood never came up and pursued her healing and never came up and, and tried to touch the hem of his garment to be healed, she would have never received her healing. If Jairus didn't, never came to Jesus and said, lay hands on my sick daughter, she would have died and she would have stayed dead. But you cannot find in anywhere in the scripture where Jesus laid his hand on a person that was healthy, completely fine and made them sick. So he says, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. Oh, that you would choose life. You can choose life or you can choose death. So Galatians chapter three, verse 13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from all the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So whether or not you have your physical Bible with you, or if you have your phone at the bottom of your physical Bible, you'll see references for that scripture. Galatians chapter three, verse 13, but I'm reading it on my phone right now. So if you click on the little, it looks like a messages button, but that scripture that's referenced right there for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 23. So I'm going to go read there. A lot of Deuteronomy scriptures today. So I'm going to read 22 and 23. It says, if a man has committed a sin deserving of death and he is put to death, 
and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree. But you shall surely bury him that day, so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving to you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. So Jesus was hung on a tree. He was hung on a cross, a wooden cross made out of a tree. He was hung on a tree. And it says in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 23, he who was hanged is accursed of God. So Jesus became that curse. Jesus became all of the curse of the law. He became the curse in order to redeem us from the curse. He was the one sacrifice, the one and only sacrifice that you will ever need. We have already been redeemed. If you are in Jesus Christ, you are redeemed from the curse of the law because Jesus himself became the curse. He had he didn't commit a sin, but he himself became sin. That's what the Bible says. He became sin. He became a curse and he became sin. I got to find that verse too now. It's 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, For God made Christ, who had never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Jesus Christ. The NIV says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So God made Jesus Christ become sin, even though he never knew any sin. He never did any sin. So that we could have righteousness with God. So yes, your righteousness, the main thing is eternal life. And that's great. And it's the best gift that you could ever have because it's free and it was paid for. And you couldn't, there was nothing that I could do. There was nothing that you could do to, to gain your righteousness in your own power. Because it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's only by the spirit. Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only way to be righteous, the only way to have, be in right standing with the Lord, because you can't be justified by the law. The Bible says that. The only way for you to be justified, or the only way for you to be made right with God, to be in right standing with God, is through Jesus Christ. So Jesus himself became a curse for you and for me in order that we could be redeemed, in order for him to buy us back, to ransom us, to rescue us from the curse of the law. First Corinthians chapter 19 and 20, it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, Therefore, glorify God with your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So obviously that's Paul talking to the church, the body of believers. He's saying, you, Christian, you who claims to know Jesus, do you know that your body is not your own? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. You were ransomed. And that price was his blood that knew no sin and became sin. So for those of you that are listening, there's never been a time in your life that you have given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to him. If you've never made the the choice to give your life to Jesus, or if you did a long time ago and you fell out of it, I want you to repeat this prayer after me and give your life to him. 
I want you to choose life today. The same way that he said in Deuteronomy chapter 20 or chapter 30. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. I want you to live, but even more than I do, God wants you to live. So make the choice today. It's so easy. There's nothing that you have to do other than repeat the words that I'm saying. Literally nothing else because Jesus already did it all with his one sacrifice. You don't have to earn anything. You don't have to work for anything. So repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I admit that I have sinned and I repent. I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and he is your son. I confess with my mouth that he is my Lord and my Savior. Holy Spirit, come into my heart and give me the strength and the anointing and the grace to live every day for the rest of my life for you in Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer, then you are now one a, a child of God. You are now a son or a daughter. You have now been redeemed. You've been ransomed. And it, you may feel like the same person, and that's okay. But you are different. The old has passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So your old self, dead, buried in the ground, crucified with Jesus Christ. But you have become a new person, even if you don't feel like it. You have been bought back with the blood of Jesus. And everything that I said up until this point, when I was talking about the curse of the law, that no longer applies to you. You have been redeemed. So go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 1 or Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 1 through 14 in order to see what's afforded to you as a believer, as a as a child of God. But what I will say is that if you want to know more about who God is and his true character, you need to be reading in the gospels, looking at what Jesus did, looking at his life and his ministry. So the gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So I recommend starting out with the book of John and then from there going on to Acts and Romans. Those are the books that come right after the book of John. But you are redeemed and you are restored. You are made new. Heaven, all of heaven is rejoicing just for you. Just for you. God isn't mad at you. He isn't ever going to bring up your past. He doesn't even remember what you did before you prayed that prayer. He forgot it instantly. He made you new, and I want you to understand that. I love you guys so much, and I want to thank you guys for listening. Subscribe to the podcast if you're not, and also go to the Instagram page. It's at H-I-H-B podcast. I've been thinking about changing the name, but I feel like it's kind of too late for that. But anyway... Go follow the podcast on Instagram. That way you can keep up to date with the Year of No Fear, um, whatever I do over there. And also just other things that I post on there because not everything I'm going to be doing on the podcast. Like I'm going to also be saying like quick little things on the Instagram page too. So, and that'll help you in your walk, in your relationship with God to see godly things, to, to stay grounded in the word of God. And that's what's going to grow you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So if you feel like you have a lack of faith, the only way that you can grow more, because God says that he has poured out the measure of faith on all men. It's already been, you've, you had the measure of faith. Every person who's born has had the measure of faith. 
But if you want your faith to grow, if you want it to um, multiply, you have to read the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I love you guys so much and I'll be talking to you guys on Sunday and I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Bye.